You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to uh, speak this morning on the subject of unfulfilled dreams, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story and, um, and my unfulfilled dream, and then um, close it up with some scripture and some things where I think I did some stuff wrong and and I'll probably tell you a couple of things that will make you uh, roll your eyes somewhere along the line, too. But when I think of unfulfilled dreams, um, I'm a Falcons fan. And, um, yeah, I've got an unfulfilled dream, you know. And uh, how many of y'all remember the Dirty Bird? Okay, okay we got a, yeah. And then uh, 28 to 3. That was a dark day right there. So I'm not talking about those kind of unfulfilled dreams, but my lovely wife in the back, I sent her a, 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 a article that Dabo Swinney might possibly be going to coach the Falcons. And she immediately shot back with, well, they might finally be good. That's just strong, isn't it? I mean, that's just, I mean, to tell you now, it's like, whoo, man. Anyway, I'm not talking about sports dreams. I'm talking about in a room this size here, there's people who are dreaming about children, people who are dreaming about jobs, there's people who are dreaming about missions, there's people who are dreaming about uh, ministry, uh, there's people who are dreaming about uh, uh, dreams for their children or their grandchildren. There's, there's a few people in here my age who, who have grandchildren or one day soon will have grandchildren. And you have those kinds of dreams. And, and so many of those dreams God puts in our hearts. He instills them in us. And, um, and, and they're awesome, awesome things. And, and it's really cool when, when God does put a dream in your heart that he... Um, he fertilizes it, and he waters it, and he makes it grow, and it's, um, it's just a neat thing. So anyway, with that said, I'm just going to give you just a little bit of my story. I was saved in the fall of 1990. I know that's 30 years ago, right, right about now, and, um, which is a long time to be a Christian, and sometimes I look at my life, and I think, man, I should be further down the road than I am with Christianity, and I just want you to tell you that's not a good thought. God loves you just... Just right where you are. Loves me just right where I am here today. But um, I was sitting in a Century 21 office, in, and I can never say this word the way people in South Carolina say it. I say Lancaster, California. Somebody give me the proper. Thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. I, I've tried. I can't get that right. So I say Lancaster, California. And I was talking to my brother who'd gotten saved about eight years before, and he'd been bugging me ever since he got saved to become a Christian. And, you know, I was just kind of rolling my eyes toward it. And there, as we were having this phone conversation, um, all of a sudden I wanted the peace of God. And my brother said, well, uh, hey, why don't we pray? And 30 seconds later, I was a Christian. And uh, just the craziest thing. So my brother was also a charismatic Christian. Now, I don't know if you know what those are. I'm going to make a real brief description of what charismatics are. But... Um, Charismatic there is not a guy with a lot of uh, personality. Uh, um, that's not the word. It's a play on two Greek words that means gifts in action. So it's the spiritual gifts in action. And so after I, shortly after I got saved, uh, he starts bugging me to find a charismatic church to go to. We, my parents were Presbyterian. I happened to be living in the same town with my parents. And um, so uh, attending this Presbyterian church. And I was looking for something a little more lively. If y'all have not seen the Babylon Bee article, which is just so awesome that the uh, motion sensor lights in the Presbyterian church went off 
during the service. You know, they're the frozen chosen, if you've never heard that before. But not a lot of movement going on inside Presbyterian Church. But they're great folks. They love God. My kid's a Presbyterian. I went to a Presbyterian church. I love Presbyterians. But they do sit pretty, pretty quiet during the service. So I was looking for something maybe with a little more energy. And uh, so, and listen, I should have said this earlier, but I'm divorced. So in these years that I'm talking about here, if I refer to a wife, it's not Olivia. She knows what I'm going to say, so this is not going to be awkward to her or anything. So you don't have to feel sorry for anything like, oh, my gosh, what did Tom just say? Can't believe she's not crawling underneath her. She's probably doing that right now with this little disclaimer going on. But um, so anyway, um, I had... At the time I started attending this charismatic church, I just had my oldest kid. My wife was pregnant with my daughter, and then my son Jack would come on a few years later. And so we, in a, so a charismatic church is, I've been thinking about it all week, how to describe it to you if you don't know what it is. And I'm going to use the phrase Pentecostal light, all right? So, which is probably some of my good Pentecostal friends would fist fight me over that saying, but it, it, so they didn't have any of the rules about hair or dress or um, jewelry. They didn't have any of those. But speaking in tongues was paramount. I mean, in, and in, in Pentecostal churches, most of them believe if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved, period. It's a doctrine of theirs. Charismatics aren't that way. They believe that you can be saved and not speak in tongues. But nevertheless, it's a huge part um, of the... Uh, uh, you're, you're really not a member of the club until you speak in tongues. Okay, so that's... That's kind of the way it is. And we called it getting the baptism, like the baptism, the baptism. So we, we're always talking about, hey, did you get the baptism? Do you have the baptism? And everybody, once you're kind of in the club, you know what that meant. So we were always referring to that. And um, so I'll tell you just a real quick story. I, I did not have the baptism. As a matter of fact, I'd never heard anybody speak in tongues. I'd read in my Bible about it, but I had no idea what it was. I get invited to a prayer meeting, and it's, the people are gathered in an area about here, and there's just it's in a cafeteria to in a school, and there's, you know, like 30 or 40 chairs in a circle, and so, granted, I just came out of a Presbyterian church, okay, so um, they, they, we're all sitting there kind of talking, so the preacher says, hey, let's pray, and so everybody says, okay, and everybody just launches into praying in tongues, and so I'm, of course, I've bowed my head, and I go, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on, and I bet you for 10 or 15 seconds, I'm just staring at all these people, they're all just, and I'm like going, Craziest thing I'd ever seen. And then people would, then people would begin to speak louder in English in, in a prayer above the, the, the noise of the... So that was kind of my introduction to the charismatic church. So we were seeking to get the, the baptism. And um, it, it's so funny how many things have been said this morning. Matt started it and Sharon concluded it with just relaxing and waiting on God or, or relaxing and trusting in God so I was really pushing hard to get the baptism, and, you know, of course, it just never does work. And then one day, I, I, I got it. You know, I really wasn't even thinking about it, trying it. I just got it. It was pretty cool. And um, so, so now I'm fully immersed in this um, speaking in tongues, uh, charismatic church. I'm there. I, it, we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and I was at all those services, I'd go to every kind of meeting we had, didn't matter, and um, it was just a, it was a fun, fun spiritual time. God was moving among us, and um, I'm going to tell you some 
kind of crazy stories. If y'all think what I've said so far is crazy, just hang on. It's going to get even more. You're going to be going, whoa, dude. So anyway, uh, the, the elders had a thing there called a license to preach. So if you felt like you were called to preach, you'd go to the elders and you'd go, hey, I think God's calling me to preach. And all it was was a meeting with those guys. And they would pray and talk and kind of converse a little bit. And if they agreed that you, they felt like you had God's calling on you to preach, then they would uh, give you a license. And, and that just basically meant that if somebody called and was looking for a guest preacher or something like that, they'd say, hey, we recommend this person. We've, we've licensed him to preach. So I went through that procedure, and, um, and I got licensed to preach. So I would preach at my little local church, and then there were some other smaller churches around that I would occasionally preach at. And that's where I began to say, and people would say to me, hey, you're called to preach. God has called you. He's got his calling on your life. That was a real, we said that all the time. I, I can see God's anointed you to preach the word. And um, um, I, I really got into that world, that life, that thought process of, all, I thought about it all the time. So I was reading my Bible one day, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Charismatics love to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it says that, you st- I wish that all of you would, would speak in tongues, but desire the greater gifts, which is prophecy. Well, I, I thought that sounded pretty simple, so I thought, I think I'm going to desire the gift of prophecy. So I go to this elder who is a buddy of mine, and I tell him about it, and he said, let's get a prophecy team together. So we get eight or ten people together, and we would meet um, in our church, and we would pray for people. So if you came in and you said, hey, you know, I need, I need healing, uh, I've got a financial problem, i got a marriage problem, it doesn't matter what it was, we didn't give advice, we were strictly praying for people, that's all we were doing. And um, it was an f- awesome time. I mean, people would, of all walks of life would come to get prayed for, and we would circle around them, and we would start praying, and and. And people would prophesy over them. They would say, you know, I believe God's saying to me about you this. And they would just say it out of their mouth. And it was just really cool. I mean, the spirit was moving. I'm just getting chills right now thinking about it. Um, it was just a... Um, anyway, and, and the people we would pray for would say to us, sometimes right then and sometimes later, they would say, man, you, I can't tell you how much I needed to hear that. It was, it was the word of the Lord, you know. So we really had a lot of confidence. We had a lot of fun. We made a lot of blunders. So when I say that, I don't want to make it sound like, matter of fact, we made one massive blunder in front of the whole church. I made one massive blunder in front of the whole church, which created a whole issue. But I learned a long time ago, if you're going to minister and pray and, and preach and all that, you got to take Trust God that what you're doing, and if you make a mistake, you go back quickly, apologize for it, say, I'm sorry, and excuse me, which is what we did, but um, we weren't without error for sure, but we just, it was a cool time. We had a lot of fun, and um, so about this time, and I don't know, so many people here are so young, but in the middle of the 90s, so all of this is going on, okay, our church is... We were big on having guest speakers come in, okay? It was a big deal. And, and um, so we, there would probably, we'd probably have a guest speaker like once a month. And sometimes they would preach like Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night. And sometimes they'd run all the way through to Wednesday night. And uh, they were all um, based or absolutely in this charismatic mindset. We had this former uh, mafia hitman come, gotten saved and come preach one time. It was just crazy cool. But... 
Anyway, there's this phenomenon going on, and um, I want everybody just to take a deep breath right here when I tell you what it is, okay? Because some of you are going to immediately want to roll your eyes. I encourage you to wait a second before you do it. But it was called being slain in the spirit. So what would happen is people would line up in the front here, shoulder to shoulder, and the preacher would start praying for him, and when he would touch them, they would fall down. And so they, it was... I don't even know if it's still going on today, but in the 90s, it was huge. I mean, you, people were falling down in coffee shops. Um, it, was, it was, I don't know. But anyway, there was a, a certain segment of Christianity that flipped about it and said it's of the devil, it's not, of, it's not the Holy Spirit. They wrote all these articles and all this stuff. I don't know about any of that. I don't know about any of the stuff that went on on Christian television. I don't know about any of that. But I can tell you that the times that one of these meetings I was involved in, it was absolutely real. I mean, it was, there was no demonic activity. I can't really explain to you what the point of it was, but it was crazy real. And I, I, we met in a gymnasium, and it was laid out just like this. There were two sets of chairs like this, only there was more chairs because it was a gym. And one time, uh, Michael, I was talking to him about the soundboard this morning. I had, for some reason, I had to go up to the soundboard, which was up on the wall above, and I... It was an usher, so I hustled up there to do whatever it was I needed to do. And I looked down, and there was probably 300 people laying on the floor. It was just the craziest scene I'd ever seen. I'm just standing. And when you're standing down there with it, and you see that, it's one thing. But when I got up there to the uh, top and looked down, I was like, whoa. It was just a mind-blowing experience. And there was this guy named preacher named Charles Carr, and he came and kind of led this, I don't know, whatever it was that was going on. And... Um, I think we met 45 days straight. So he, he came for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, and then stayed for 45 days. And, and the place was packed. There would be people in the back. Uh, I guess we probably had two or 300 seats. I'm not really sure now. There would be people standing up in the back every night, Tuesday night, Friday night. didn't matter what night it was. It was packed every night. It was just an awesome, awesome time in the, in the um, spirit. It was one of those kind of times when you'd go, I wish, the, I wish Charles would stop preaching so the ministry time would stop. I mean, it was just so, so good. So, all right, y'all buckle up. It's going to get fun from here on, okay? So this Episcopal priest comes to speak to us, okay? I know, seriously, Oliver starts laughing. So he has got this, he's flowing in this slain in the spirit thing, okay? He's got the collar, he's got the look, he's got everything, you know? And he was kind of a mixture of a stand-up comedian and, a, um, uh, and a, an Episcopal priest. And I didn't even know what to expect of it. I'd never been inside an Episcopal church in my entire life. But he was a hoot. He was a great preacher. He preached like a Southern Baptist preacher. And, um, and, um, and he, he was funny. He was just, you hate to use the word entertaining with a preacher, but when preachers are entertaining, it is kind of fun. So he, we do the whole prayer thing. It was probably, he was probably there like 10 nights. It was just, it was crazy how those meetings would continue going on. And um, again, there's people laying all over the floor. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. So he says, it's, it, one night he says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have tomorrow at 2 o'clock, I want everybody who wants to receive this anointing that I have and, and carry it on. I want you to be here at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to pray for you. So... Listen, I was like first in line. You know what I mean? I mean, I couldn't. I, I took the afternoon off work, couldn't get over there quick enough to do it. Well, 
<laughs> the day before, I'd, so the weekend before, I had gotten into some poison ivy. So the day before, I went and got, <laughs> I know, <laughs> trust me, this is going to make sense when I get there. I got a, uh, what is a steroid shot they give you for, um, pardon me? Cortisone. I got a cortisone shot. I know this is going to sound, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Cortisone gives me the worst hiccups in my whole chest hiccups. So when I hiccup, I'm, I'm, it's like my whole, you know, it's, it's, it's super annoying. And it lasts for like 48 hours and, and you just, you can't do anything with it, you know? So I get there to get, pr- you know, we're like in this prayer time. He's going to, you know, lay hands on me and send the anointing to me and I'm... <laughs> You know, I can't quit hiccup. And, you know, matter of fact, he kind of stops in front of me when he goes to pray for me, like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Pray for me, you know. So um, he prays for me, and I got the hiccups, and it just wasn't, I'm just sitting there going, you know, the hiccups, I'm another blocked the anointing, you know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So anyway, so the, when, all right, so let me just backtrack for one second. When I got my license to preach, I went to preach at this, Drug and Rehab Center in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. If you've ever heard of the Muscle Shoals sound, they refer to it in the Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home Alabama. Um, oh, by the way, all that, there's a, a recording studio, a bunch of them in those days. And um, so it's that Muscle Shoals is where I lived at in Alabama. And there was a drug and rehab center called Restoration Ranch. And Restoration Ranch was the last place you went before you went to jail. So the judge would say, you can go to jail or go to Restoration Ranch. That's your two choices. And it was a very rustic, um, just running on the ragged edge of money all the time. So the, the, the uh, cabins that the residents stayed in literally had gaps of like a half an inch. And it gets cold in Muscle Shoals in the wintertime. So you're, they all slip in sleeping bags on cots and stuff. And um, so, that, so I, whatever day of the week that was, it was like a Monday or Tuesday when I had the hiccups and the guy prays for me. The next day, which is like a Thursday or Friday, I get a call and say, hey, can you come preach at Restoration Ranch on Saturday night? And I'm like, sure. And in the back of my head, baby, you know what I'm thinking, don't you? Okay, maybe the hiccups didn't block the anointing. You know, just, I, I'm just kind of teasing it back there, you know. I'm just kind of thinking, man, this is... So, um, so we go out to Restoration Ranch, and this guy named Ashley Stevens went with me. And um, he... We, we, so we, we get to, I preach on whatever it is I preach on, and the area was real small, and it was so small that if you were almost, like at the front row chairs, you were almost knee to knee with those people when you were preaching, because they, they'd throw some extra chairs into the cafeteria so that you could sit, and, uh, and then over here, there was a little bit of an open area, so at the end of my preaching, I give an altar call, and I say, yeah, you know, if there's anybody who wants to get prayed for, you know, just come on up, so maybe three or four people come up to this area right here. So uh, I'll never forget this kid. He was a real scrawny kid, and his clothes were like two or three times too big. He was blonde-haired, and, and he kind of had that, you know, he's kind of standing like this, and he's kind of hanging around right here. And um, so I, I walk over to him, and, and I ask him something like, you know, what do you need prayer for or whatever? And he says, whatever, and I reach out. When I put my hand on his shoulder, he bites the dust. I mean, he hits the ground, and he jumps up, and he's looking around like, what the heck just happened? And I'm thinking, what the heck just happened? But then I realized I got the anointing. <laughs> and it's on, baby. We're praying for some people now. And I mean, it was, it was like this priest. I mean, the people. And so then at that point, the people really start responding. And as soon as I would pray for them, boom, they'd hit the ground. And I'm going, 
this is awesome. And not only is it awesome, it's going to like last forever. You know what I'm saying? I am going to be a charismatic Billy Graham, travel the world and pray, you know, pray for people. And, and it is kind of funny now sitting here telling you all this story to, um, to, to chuckle about it. But I was pretty serious about it then. I mean, it, it was, now, and let me just say one thing. If you're sitting there going, dude, this is kind of weird what you're telling us. And I agree, uh, trust me. But it wasn't like there was this, I could feel anything. It wasn't like I was, you know, I had the power of God. I would just lay my hands on them or touch them and they'd fall down. And, it, and at some point, you know, you could be a little skeptical of that and go, well, they're falling down. I mean, seriously, come on. Are 30 people all in on the joke? I mean, it was, and, and what was funny was we ran out of room over here because there's people laying here, so people are sitting in these seats. And it was funny, I'd pray for them, and they'd just sit down in the chair because there was, you know, no place to fall down. Anyway, it was just a crazy, cool, fun night. And, um, and I'm, I'm really, as I'm driving home that night, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I am going to be in full-time, traveling, prophetic, ministry. That's really what I'm thinking, you know. That's, that's the unfulfilled um, dream. And um, so the next morning we go to church, right? I've got the anointing, right? And remember that. And the Episcopal priest prayed for me. I had, I went to Restoration Ranch, laid waste to everybody there, you know. So there's a weird thing that happened. We always had ministry at the end of the service. And um, so, but for some reason, the pastor asked somebody if they need prayer, like kind of like in the middle between worship and, and the preaching. And this one dude answers. He comes walking up to the front. He's just standing there. Oh, my gosh, I couldn't get up there quick enough because I've got to display this newfound power that I have. Well, Ashley, the guy who was with me, sees me going, so he jumps up and comes with me. So we get up there, and I lay my hand on this guy to pray for him, and you know what happens. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, the guy just, you know, and so we, so I'm, I'm kind of a little surprised that he didn't, you know, fall down to the power of the Spirit, and I'm going, huh. So anyway, we pray for him, and so as we're walking back, I'll never forget this, Ashley leans over to him, we're like walking down the middle aisle, and he goes, hey, did he get it? And I go, I don't think he did, you know, I'm not sure what happened from last night till today, but it, it was where God first began to kind of put in me the idea, the concept that, that we oftentimes live our lives in seasons, and that, and that just because something is happening today doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen for the rest of your life. Nevertheless, I, I would, that, that, that seed was planted in my life right then, but I didn't really get it. I was still on track to be a preacher, all of that. So there's a guy, and mostly you guys have probably never heard of this guy, but he was an 80s televangelist named Pat Robertson. He ran for president a couple times. He's got a show called The 700 Club. And um, he's really old now. I saw him on TV the other day. Uh, but he had a college in, um, in uh, uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, called Regent University. And they had a seminary there that was kind of a uh, charismatic Pentecostal-type seminary. And so I had decided that, that my future in preaching and all that stuff uh, was going to rely on having a, a Master of Divinity degree. So they had, so the little church that we were attending had a non-accredited Bible college. I went through it, completed it, and then this, this Regent University had a, um, um, had a program for people like me who went to a non-accredited Bible college, didn't have a regular degree. They would uh, allow you to come in and go to seminary there. 
So you had to, it was a pretty uh, exhaustive process. You had to have a bunch of letters of recommendation. You had to apply two or three times, all this kind of stuff. So anyway, I did all of that, had all my letters of recommendation, sent it in. And so now I'm kind of just waiting to hear back whether or not I'm going to be accepted. And um, so one day I get a, a letter in the mail, and it says that they had not accepted me. And it, it's, it's kind of embarrassing now, but somehow or another, I get one of the people off of this admissions committee on the phone. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And this dude, I'll never forget it, he was so gracious to me because he could tell I was wound a little tight. And he said, um, he said you know, we, we put a lot of thought and prayer into this. This is not something we do lightly. So we didn't turn you down for no reason, we it was this, you know we put a lot of prayer into it. So how you, what are you going to say to that? You know what I mean. So it was the first time. Well, I mean, after the seasons thing with the uh, um, Episcopal priest and Restoration Ranch and all that, it, it it was another layer of me thinking. You know, maybe I'm not going to be a preacher. Maybe I'm not going to be a pastor. Maybe I'm not. So this buddy of mine, her name was Rose Smith. And um, she calls me up one day, and she says, um, "You, I think you need some time alone with God." And I knew I needed some time alone with God. I was in a, I, I was in a, a, I was depressed. I was frustrated. I, all these dreams I had, you know, had kind of gotten squashed, and I, I didn't know what to do about it. I had no clue what to do about it. So I went on for probably two years like that, just kind of frustrated and. Uh, so anyway, she comes up to me one day, and she says, uh, I think you need some time alone with God. So I have bought you a, a night at the Wood Avenue Inn, which was a bed and breakfast there in Florence, Alabama, where we were living at. And um, she said, uh, um, just call down there and set your night. I've already paid for it, and then you can go have a night alone and seek God. Well, I, listen. I'm going to get a word from God. You know what I mean? I'm not showing up down there to eat, you know, fried chicken and, and hang out with. Uh, I Actually, the owner of the place, I knew the guy, and they were famous for their fried chicken. So, um, and they always made it on. That was like one of their nightly meals. And uh, I, don't, I didn't care about that. I was going to get a word from God. I was going to storm the throne of heaven, and I was not leaving that room until I had a word from God. And I mean, so I called down there and I make my night, my um, whatever it is, the night I was going to have the room. And I, um, I just got all jacked up that week about it. You know what I mean? I'm fired up. I'm kind of angry. And, you know, if I got to go in there and punch God in the face and get my word, I'm getting my word. You know, I mean, I was really wound tight, you know. And, I, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm going I'm to sweat it out all night, you know what I mean? And you, my wife is back there. She'll chuckle. She knows how much I like to go to bed early. So for me to say, I'm sweating it out all night, that's a, that's a big deal. You know, I, uh, uh, I, I don't stay up late. So, um, so I get there, and so this guy, this buddy of mine, meets me. And so he knows I'm there in a room by myself without my wife and kids two miles from my house, he knows I'm there for a spiritual reason. He didn't ask any questions. He just said, hey, there's your room. Dinner's at 6, whatever time it was. If you want to come out, fine. If not, you know, you're good. So <laughs> what you just said, Sharon, earlier, which is cracking me up. I mean, just cracking me up about how trying to control and push, and then we just need to relax. So I walk into the room. So let's think about this. Right? I, got, I got my Bible. And I guess I got like the thing that has your toothbrush in it. I don't remember, but I remember I threw a bag on the bed. And I'm 
I'm just kind of walking around in circles in the room. I sit down in a chair, and I open my Bible, just randomly open it to Psalm 20. And, Becca, this is uh, the, where it is. So I'm going to read this to you. So I want you all to kind of time this. Okay, you walk in, you say hi to your buddy. Uh, you kind of check in. You get your room. You throw your, your overnight bag on the bed. You walk around a little bit. You sit down. Op- randomly open your Bible to Psalm 20, and this is what I read, okay? May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of our God of Jacob protect you. May he send you... Uh, this is a prayer for the king, too, by the way. David wrote this. It's a prayer for the king. May he, may, may he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all of your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. So what does that take? 20 seconds, maybe, of what we've read so far? No more than that, right? Remember, I'm going to... All night. Sweating it out. All night. And then I read verse 4. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. As soon as I read that sentence, I knew I was done. That was, the, that was what I had come for, was that verse 4. And I, I literally looked up to heaven and said, well, what am I going to do the rest of the night? You know, because I kind of felt, because it was a gift, you know, I couldn't really just leave. Um, so I sat there and I thought, oh, my gosh, God has just like, it would be like if you went and saw Bill Gates and he gave you a check and said, here, just fill it in for whatever you want. Well, you don't want to put like 500 bucks in there. You know, it's Bill Gates. He's got lots of money. So I read that, and he says he's going to make all my plans succeed. And I go, oh, my gosh, I got I to, gotta, like, broaden the way I'm thinking here. Because at first I thought a couple things. I don't remember what they were. But this is the word that God gave me. That All right, so remember, up to this point, I'm wanting to be the charismatic Billy Graham, travel the world, preach conferences, be a, be a Christian celebrity, maybe get a jet like Benny Hinn, you know, do all that stuff. And, um, and, and I, I want to make a point here is that we had a lot, I believe we had a lot of good times in those years where God really spoke to people and we had a lot of fun and, and prayed for a ton of people. And I'm not belittling any of that. I mean that when I say it, it was a, it was a good time, but it was, there was an end to it. I just didn't realize it because I, I got in thinking about being charismatic Billy Graham and, you know, preaching conferences. Um, so then, in 1998, in May of 98, I go to the Wood Avenue Inn. I sit down, and in five minutes of walking in the door, he gives me the word that has carried me till today. And I look back at that, and I think, so let me tell you a couple things, okay? You may say, you know, dude, that's a really depressing story you just told us. You know, you go from being the charismatic Billy Graham to selling insurance in Inman, South Carolina. How is that a win? You know what I mean? I was, I was going to be in jets, you know? And um, that's, that's kind of like a made the jet, jet crash, you know? And, um, and, but let me just say a couple things. You know, um, my marriage couldn't handle just regular life. So if you talk to any preacher, you'll, any male preacher, he'll probably tell you that his wife is stronger, better, more important part of the combination than he is because it's a very, 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 very difficult um, role to, uh, to, to do. And so if my marriage couldn't handle just regular life, how would it have ever sustained ministry? You know, it just it would, but I didn't know that. I, you know what I mean? Because I was too focused on what I thought I wanted and wanted to do and all that. The other thing that's funny about it is, is 
if when, when I was 25 to 35, if you had said to me, yeah, we got law school, I mean, a medical school student, can you, could you do brain surgery? I'd be like, yeah, how hard can it be? I can, you know, go to medical school. Can't be that hard, you know. If you could, if you could um, uh, be an astronaut, whatever. I had this attitude that I could do anything. And as I've gotten older, I've just realized how limited I am. And well, whatever you want to call that, maturity, you know, getting your head slapped a few times, whatever did it. But I just came to the realization that, that my, my, the gifts that God gave me are not pastoral gifts. I'm not cut out to do what Oliver does every day. And um, um, I, so it's just kind of funny. In those days, all I saw was this right here, you know, walking around on the stage and praying for people and all that. I didn't see, I didn't even know what pastors did the rest of the week. I didn't have any idea. And um, so I was blind to all that, so that all that dream that I had of doing all that was was just, um, I was just ignorant to so much of it. And, um, and then I look at it from the day I got this word that pushed me on to some very dark experiences in my life. I mean, stuff that um, were just super, super difficult to get through, much, much more difficult than getting turned down by Regent College. You know, I mean, I kind of look back now, it's embarrassing the funk I got into after I got that. I'm like, seriously, that's what I got depressed over? I mean, it, I've been down a lot tougher road since then, and, and the whole time, God has just so faithfully seen me through all those. So I'm going to close with just a couple of scriptures here, and um, so... Um, in one, there's a, I'm going to read a couple of extra scriptures with this one out of Romans because I think it's, it's good to hear it together. But people say all the time, hey, have you ever heard just anybody, it might be a Christian or it might be somebody else, say everything happens for a reason. That's a kind of a secular version of this scripture I want to read to you. And I want to um, tell you why I like the scripture, the thought of the scripture just a little bit better. But this is Romans 8 verses 26 through 31. And I'm going to read out of the NIV. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. By the way, if you're a good charismatic, that's speaking in tongues. I'm just telling you, okay? I'm not going to argue with you after the service if that's what it is or not. But that's what we always said that was, just in case. That's just a little fun side note. I didn't even think about that till right then. All right, he, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Verse 28, and this is the one here. And we know that in all things, God's, God works for good for... The, excuse me, let me start over. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Let me make two comments about this scripture. One is, listen, there's lots of people who love God who aren't Christians. So it's the second half of that scripture, in my opinion, that makes it about Christians who have been called according to his purpose. Those are Christians. So if you're a Christian here today and something bad happens in your life or something great happens in your life, you can sit back with total confidence and know that that, that thing, God knew about it, he's looking after it, he's watching after it, and he's moving it toward his will, okay? Um, when you, if you hear somebody who's not a Christian or whatever say, you know, um, everything happens for a purpose, I'm not sure about that, but I do know as Christians for sure that all things 
work toward that ultimate good. And when I say that, I'm trying to think of a better way to say it than the way the Bible does. I know it's a dumb way to say it, but um, that, that we are moving toward God's will. We are moving in his will um, if you're a Christian today. So you can relax. You don't have to worry about being the big T because God's steady. You can just relax in that, knowing that he has got it under control. For those who God foreknew, listen to this. If this doesn't want to just make you jump up and shout, I don't know what else will. For, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then, man, I tell you what. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'll tell you, I look back at those years, and in even the years that happened after that Psalm 20, uh, uh, excuse me, evening at the Wood Avenue Inn, and I think, I wish I had really knew this scripture. I had read it, you know, but I wish I knew it. I wish it had been more in my heart so that when difficult times came, whatever scale of real difficultness it was, I had known that... Um, the truth in that and how we can relax and trust God to carry us through sometimes incredibly difficult times. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that my times were more difficult than anybody else's. I'm just saying that oftentimes when you're in the middle of a difficult time, they seem very, very difficult right then. Um, so anyway, um, if you today are, if you have a dream of, of a friend, a, a relative, a um, um, somebody you know of becoming a Christian, and maybe God has actually put on your heart that, that he is calling that person to Christianity. Um, this is one of my favorite ones. Second um, Peter 3, 9, and I really like the uh, King James Version of it because I love the word slackness. But um, the verse 9, and this is the NIV again, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. If you're praying for somebody today or believe in God or have a dream for somebody to become a Christian, um, just, man, memorize that scripture right there. God's calling people. Trust me, he is calling people today to, to, to believe in him, to trust in him. And, um, uh, man, take heart in that, that, um, that he, is, uh, he is working hard. Uh, Timothy, I'm going to read this last scripture, and I'm going to be done. Um, and then this last one is Psalm 37, 4 and 5. And this just kind of sums up what Matt said to us as we were praying out there and what Sharon said as she was um, speaking this morning. Um, uh, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. I just encourage you today, wherever you're at in your journey with God, just lean back and best you can. Ask him. I, I tell the guys at the... Uh, I, so I preach every once in a while at a, at a place here in Greenville, and I, I tell the guys all the time, you know what the best prayer you can ever say ever is, God, help me. You don't need some eloquent prayer to get God's attention. Just simply say, God, help me. And if you're today, if you're struggling in trusting God, just say, God, help me to trust you. That's all, it's, it's all that's required. There's nothing more. You don't even need that. Just Cry out to him, and he'll answer, and he will uh, sustain you. So my, my prayer for you today, for us as a church, 
um, is that we'll, um, we'll trust God more right where we are. We'll be content right here where we are today. And listen, if Oliver's here to help, um, Kyle's here. If you need prayer while these guys start playing, come on up. I'll revert back to my old charismatic days. We always prayed for people up front. Probably not any slain in the spirit going on this morning. Can't make any promises on that, but uh, come on up. We'd love to pray for you and, um, and trust God that he'll meet you right where you are. So um, anyway, I love you. I appreciate you all being here and listening to me. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.